0: I also want to just say thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Uh, whether it's here on campus or here online. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We're beginning a new series today called Happy how? And we're going to be taking a look at three different looks from ancient wisdom that comes straight from God. We're going to be in Psalms 1, Psalms 2, and Psalms 34 as we take a look at this topic. I think it's an important topic. It's an important topic to figure out how to be happy the way God would have us to be happy. Um, so I just want to jump in with just a few primer questions to get us thinking a little bit. So when you're not happy, when you're not feeling happy and you're kind of, whether it's stressed or anxious or down or bored or your outlook's just not in the right place, what is it that you go to? What is it that you do to try to elevate that outlook? What is it that you do to try to feel a little bit more happy, a little bit more up, a little bit less stressed, whatever whatever those things are? We're going to be talking about our habit patterns, and the path we take to try to be happy. And we're going to discover uh, from ancient wisdom, some, perhaps some better ways than we have in our regular patterning. We have patterns. That's why I ask the question, where, what do you do when you're feeling unhappy? What do you do when you're feeling bored? I kind of turn to, and this is kind of true confession time, I turn to snacks and screens. Snacks and screens. I mean, I'm not feeling, and it really doesn't matter which one, bored, stressed, down, (laughs) you know, all those things. I turn to snacks. I start thinking, if I rifle through the pantry or refrigerator or cupboard, eventually I'm going to become happy, and it doesn't work. It's sort of this uh, false filler, and so it is with my screens. When I'm bored, and I'm just kind of filling time Mm, 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 right? Or click and channel through and hm mm. It's a false filler. It's a superficial kind of a uh, fulfillment and whether i'm just filling myself up it momentarily feels good and then it doesn't do anything about that feeling of happiness beyond that period of time and sometimes it actually goes in the other direction i feel less happy because i've got this rule inside of me that goes like this and it's not a good rule it's like if it makes you a little happy just keep eating because you're going to be happier as you just keep going, keep going. And then when I'm done with keeping going, I'm not happy. It's just like it doesn't work. And so we're going to address some of those habits that we have that uh, we try to go to to elevate our sense of happiness. And pretty much doesn't everybody believe something makes them happy? And doesn't everybody have a pathway that they go to to try to elevate that sense and change their outlook a little bit? We're going to be Looking at some of those. Now, um, maybe you know somebody that truly has this deeper kind of happiness. It's a more long-lasting one. They seem to be up and able to focus on the right things when everything around them is not there. Maybe you know somebody like that. Well, I want to just talk about Connie Nichols for a moment. Connie Nichols is now with the Lord, and so here's a picture of Connie, uh, if you'll put that on the screen for us. Connie Nichols, we went and visited her in a care facility thinking, oh, we, she's probably pretty down. Let's go visit her. Gina, Gina's my lovely wife here, says, let's go visit her. We need to see her. She, you know, we go there to kind of be an encouragement. It was the other way around. <laughs> And we, you know she was the one encouraging us and we come to we couldn't even go inside at the time because everything was kind of full blown and we stood outside of her bedroom window at the care facility and through the glass we're just talking back and forth and she's just glowing from the inside and glowing from the inside with encouragement after encouragement after encouragement, and you think, oh, she's stuck, she's in this place, she can't do anything, she had ministry opportunities and who she's caring for and what she's praying about, what's going on, just kind of like, whoa, she's got this deeper, more satisfied, happy, and she could at the same time, while glowing, talk about, can't wait to be with the Lord, and here's my plan, you know, it's like, if it goes my way, it's gonna go like this, I'm gonna be able to go off to the wedding, and, and I'm going to interact with everybody. I don't care if I get COVID, because hoo hoo, then I get to go home and be with the Lord, and that's the way it's going to go down, and if it's my plan, and that's the way it went down. She went to be with the Lord, and she was, couldn't wait, couldn't wait. So how do we get there? How do we get to the place where all this stuff that gets us down isn't able to get in there and mess us up to the place where we're getting done. How do we get to the better, deeper kind of happy? That's what this series is all about. Anybody want to hear more? All right, we're going to jump into Psalm 1. And take a look at a surprising starting point. It says in Psalm 1, and by the way, I'm going to be glued to my notes, not because I need notes right now, because later on, I want to just totally avoid looking like the wild-eyed crazy prophet just going like this because uh, there's something that's kind of controversial that I'm going to be talking about that's got me kind of stirred up so I'm going to try to throttle down use the governor take the notes and slow it down and so that's what I'm going to try to force myself to do a little bit here how happy is the one who does not How happy is the one who does not? We're going to keep reading there, but it's a strange starting point of describing what to do to be happy. Well, there's a few things you need to stop doing, and that's what we got to figure out, and that's where it starts. It's sort of not uh, the normal way we would try to train people. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. Well, the ancient wisdom says, okay, make sure you don't go the route that everybody else is going, okay? Don't go the route that everybody else is going on their pursuit of happy. So point number one is the happy life avoids. The happy life avoids. Now, I was reading out the Christian Standard Bible, and it's translated the, how happy. The word happy there sometimes is translated blessed, And sometimes because of our Christian orientation about receiving a a blessing from God, we think this blessing has nothing to do with us. There's another kind of word for that kind of blessing. And so happy is an appropriate translation for this Hebrew word because it's a result of some things that we do that that God blesses us with. And we're going to look at that. So this word is it means supremely happy or fulfilled. It isn't superficial, it's deeper, it's longer lasting, it's a result of our uh, believing in and interaction and some certain things we do, and we're going to talk about that. So, happy are those who avoid. Now, when we're doing the things that God tells us to do and not doing the things that God tells us not to do, um, that's when we're Happy. The thing that we need to just start with is this. Everybody thinks they're doing the things that make them happy. In fact, we're pretty much choosing the stuff that we choose all the time because we believe that's what's going to make us happy. But we discover, how come that's not making me happy? How come that's not making me happy? And so they're going to start with, don't go there. Don't go there. So we need to figure out what's the right path for happy as opposed to the wrong path for happy. And here's the important feature. We got to figure out according to who. Because everybody has a right path to happy. And so we got to figure out what, is the right path according to God and you're going to discover that that's going to be a better, deeper kind of happy because he has a perspective that we don't have and he is our designer and we are now in a fallen state from that design and so our happy seeker is broken and it's going to fit a mold that is out of bounds from the design. I mean, it's like if a Car manufacturer invented a car and says you run on petrol or gas. uh, That's what's going to make you run well. And we go, but I want Kool Aid. Okay? Now, anybody who knows anything about cars, that that would not be a good thing to put in the gas tank, right? You have to have the right thing according to how you are made. And so that's the kind of thing we're talking about. So I'm about to read all six verses. It's a short psalm. And I want you to look for two labels as I'm reading. And kind of look for the two paths, as I'm reading, and the label of the travelers, there's one group of travelers on one path, or is there one group of travelers on another path, and I want you to look for those labels, we'll talk about those after I get through reading the whole thing. Psalms 1, 1 through 6. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers? Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. All right, so the two labels were the righteous and the wicked. There was another label in there, sinners was in there as well. So the righteous and the wicked. So right now I want to define righteous because righteous in our From a Christian perspective, we always think righteous is self-righteous, and it's not in the negative sense of that. It's in a positive sense, so I want to just put on the screen uh, some working definition for us. Righteous. Oh, it's not there yet. First, got to go. Uh, Here we go. The happy life avoids walking in bad advice. Walking in bad advice. All right. Where did I leave that out? Got it. Do you have the righteous quote somewhere? If not, I'm just going to read it. The very word righteous in our language is from the Middle English, right wise, which is an old English word, Middle English, but you can kind of tell what it means. It's right plus wise. It's spelled completely different, but right plus wise, wise is W-Y-S-S. If you want to be happy, pick the right wise, not the worldly wise, but what God defines as wise. It's pretty clear, but it's not clear when we start thinking about what we actually do because nobody thinks they're picking the bad advice. Nobody thinks they're following the bad advice. Everybody thinks they're following good advice. Everybody thinks what they're doing is the right path. Because everybody has a path that they're trying to be happy on, and they think it's working to a degree, and that's why they do that path. They keep thinking this works. The happy life avoids walking in bad advice. Now, let's go through A, B, and C quickly. You can fill in blanks, and we'll look at the verses. Here we go. Walking in bad advice. How happy is the one who does not walk... In the advice of the wicked. B. Standing in the sinner's pathway. Psalm 1.1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners. C. Sitting with the mockers. Psalm 1.1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Now, I want to slow this down and show you that we've been talking about walking, standing, and sitting. Walking in bad advice, standing in the sinner's pathway, sitting in the s- with the mockers. Now, I want you to see a progression here. Walking, that's just tuning in. You haven't really done much with it. You're just tuning in. Standing, now you're standing with them, so you're trying out. And then, when you're sitting with the mocker, something has happened, you have now switched sides. You used to think the righteous way was the wise way, but now you're along with the mocker saying, that way is stupid, it's really silly. Listen to the Lord. I mean, what a prudish thing to do. How to hold, hold back. Come on, be happy. Do this, do that. I found it works. I'm happy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And now you're sitting with the mockers, so you've switched. You've switched sides, and that's a slippery slope of sin. Once you start tuning in and trying out, you will soon, if you're not careful, be switching sides. And when you switch sides, now you'll find yourself agreeing with the mockers and kind of picking at the things that God says as wise as being. No, it, you know, that's, that's, you're withholding from yourself real happiness. You need to kind of go with, the, look at everybody else, how happy they seem and what they're doing. You need to go with that. And there's a slippery slope of sin that takes place there. Jesus describes these two paths also, and it's from Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It's so stark and so true, but the people on the broad road do not agree with Jesus, they do not agree that this broad road is destructive. How could so many be wrong? We Everybody's doing it everywhere. Why is this wrong? It makes us happy. And Jesus says, you need to choose the wise road. You've got to avoid the bad advice that you have been listening to. You've got to stop standing with and trying out the stuff that they're suggesting. And you need to totally switch back over to agreeing with God's assessment What God says doesn't seem right to you, but God knows better than you do. And your path is a dangerous path. And only a few will actually choose that narrow gate and that narrow road. It's going in an opposite direction from the broad path. Nobody thinks that they are walking in bad advice until they see it. It's like asking a fish, So what's it like breathing water? And the fish says, what's water? Because that's all they know. What's water? In our culture, and this is where I have to kind of really be careful, in our culture, because it's so controversial, and I'm stepping on toes, and in our culture, we're so busy breathing water of our world we didn't even recognize it as bad advice so i watched a controversial documentary that has me thinking whether you agree with it or not i recommend that you watch it it's called the social dilemma it's on netflix it came out in 2020 the social dilemma i don't see you writing it down Okay? The Social Dilemma came out in 2020. If you can watch it, watch it. You need to think this through. I'm going to help you think it through with a few quotes. So here's a quote from The Social Dilemma. Now, just a little bit about the movie. The insiders in big companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and all those things, they're, they're exposing the engineered algorithms that are fed into these big companies to lead us and track us and know about us so they can sell our eyes and our attention to their advertisers, because they don't make money on us, they make money from their real customers, which are advertisers. Well, algorithms, are not neutral. Algorithms are opinions embedded in code. These algorithms are not objective. The algorithms are optimized to some definition of success. And their definition of success is to monetize every click, to monetize every view. And once you monetize every click and every view, then you want people to view more and view more and view more. And we are being led into viewing more And more. It's not a passive tool. I used to think of internet as a great tool, kind of like a library. It's very dangerous too, kind of like a library, depending on which books you pick out. It's filled with lies as well as filled with truth. Use this tool very carefully. We all know this about the internet, but now it's changed. It's not passive. It's active. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of engineers are actively engineering things so that it leads you, not passively, but actively to go to the next click, go to the next video, go to the next thing, and they know it's got floors and, oh, I'm starting to feel like that wild-eyed crazy prophet. (laughs) Okay, Uh, slow down, slow down, here I go. Okay, so let's just read another quote. When a commercial enterprise designs the algorithm for profit, the goals of the algorithms are not the goals you share when you are using the app that is governed by those algorithms. I was shocked to find out if I type in a phrase in Google as a search engine, a phrase, I assume that everybody that types in the exact phrase will get the same results, but no algorithms have, they know so much about our data, they'll put the results that we're looking for higher on the list than what somebody else is looking for. And so we're being shaped into our own opinions that get pulled further and further and further apart by every search. Do you see where this is going? So here's the next quote. There are only two industries that call their customers users, illegal drugs and software. Do you know anybody that's addicted by their screen time? Do you know anybody that's addicted and has to check, has to check, has to check, has to scroll, has to scroll, has to scroll, has to look up, has to look up, have to keep watching news, has to keep watching news, has to keep watching news, has to has to? Everything is being fed to our perspective that is, well, here, let me give you another quote. On the opposite side of the screen are thousands of engineers with a different set of goals than you have. Who is going to win the artificial intelligence when artificial intelligence is used to manipulate us? Keep reading. We are all looking out for the moment when technology will overwhelm human strengths and intelligence. When is it going to cross the singularity? Now, I I just typed this out while I was watching, so I may not have it exactly word for word, but I I tried. When is it going to cross the singularity, replace our jobs, and be smarter than humans? But there is this much earlier moment when technology exceeds and overwhelms human weaknesses. This point being crossed is at the root of addiction, polarization, polarization, Radicaliza- radicalization, outrageification, vanityification, the entire thing. This is overpowering human nature and this is checkmate on humanity. Now, this person sounds like a zealous, wild eyed prophet, but this person is Tristan Harris, a former design ethicist for Google. President and co-founder of the Center for Humane Technology. He got out because the whole system is now pulling us in directions that he sees as very, very detrimental and dangerous and disruptive to our culture with the polarization and all this other stuff that we're addicted to. Aren't you glad you came? (laughs) Told you it would be a little controversial, but I urge you to watch it Think for yourself and begin to think what this means for you. Point number two. So the happy life avoids, and the happy life is rooted. The happy life is rooted. By the way, roots are unseen by the outside observer. Right? Now let's, we read this. Take a look at verse two through three. Instead, His delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So instead of searching for happiness through snacks and screens and whatever else, where's this search leading this person? This person's search is led straight to the center of God's instruction. This person is looking with delight in God's instruction. And so, a on your outline, this person is seeking God's word. The happy life is rooted in God's word. Verse 2, instead, he, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not suggesting, but some people don't delight in God's word. They see it as a duty. I need to do this. It's kind of like I I got a floss. (laughs) It's drudgery. I need to take my vitamins. That's not this person. Their delight is in the Lord's instruction. The appetite has been trained by the use so much that there's a gr- there's a growing momentum in the happiness and a growing momentum is seeing how how life-giving and helpful god's instruction is that they just hunger and thirst for righteousness and if you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness right now i would venture a guess that you are a junk food person instead of a health food person as it relates to your spirit. And you have to train your appetite to want to delight, to delight in what's really good for you. And you can get there where you, the more you're in it, the more you delight. And the deeper you're in it, the, the delight even grows. To, when you memorize stuff, it's like it's even more delightful. Because it starts to go with you and your whole thoughts and your whole shift is changing to match with with God. And it's like the pathway of the sinner becomes detestable. It's like, ugh, I don't want to go there. And the pathway of centering your life around the Lord just gets more and more delightful. So there's this stark contrast. Be on your outline that the happy life is rooted in God's word and meditating on it day and night and some of you go that's like flossing every hour (laughs) no it's like revisiting that thing that makes you so happy and so good for you you just like wake up in the night afraid i mean i do this wake up in the night afraid or bored or stressed or can't figure out why i can't sleep start reviewing some memory work it's like being held in the arms of god and just drifting off to sleep best therapy ever to have that accessible right then and there and start reviewing and speaking the word of God and my spirit is able to unclench and go back to sleep most of the time. Still learning. So there's this stark contrast in these two ways and the two results. You're either going to love the path of sin and follow it or you're going to love God and seek him in scripture where he may be found. Which will it be for you? And where is life's delight for you? Now, I'm purposefully scaling back what I say. So let me just tell you and suggest to you, here's what I did after watching this and thinking this through. Um, Point number one, or step number one, if you haven't done it, I would encourage you, watch the social dilemma. Two, set safety parameters around the tools that you use because the tools that you use are not as passive as you think and you won't really get that for real until you look at uh, that documentary and go oh my and once you do here's what I did I shut down some of my apps literally too much screen time not just too much screen time but too much pull in the direction of screen time and let me let me just put it this way just like in the snacks department My stomach makes a horrible God. My stomach makes a wonderful servant to serve God. I need to make sure it's not my master, but my servant. And so it is with everything we look at in every screen moment we have. Don't let it master you. So I limited how often I check news. I stop taking the suggested or recommended next video. I shut off that feature, because I'm being led. Instead of looking at what I want to look at, they're taking me in a direction I don't want to go. Don't go to the next suggestive video, whether it's on Netflix or Google or YouTube or anywhere. Don't go to the next suggestion, because the algorithms are suggesting, not people algorithms to monetize your eyes and sell you as a human future to the customer. And it's causing addictions in the bent of your weakness. I changed which search engine I use. I began to look for search engines that don't track me and do that to me. I'm more intentional about time in prayer and in the Word and with people because that's where real life is, not on the screen. I'm moving toward digital minimalism. I was, uh, Derek um, Bocamp, who spoke here a couple Sundays ago, we were talking about some of this. He said, have you read digital mi- digital minimalism yet? I said, no, and I wrote it down. I haven't read it yet, but the title alone is so great. I'm recommending that you go for digital minimalism also, because we need to set ourselves free from the, the all the stuff that we're seeing. We're seeing a year of all the eruption of where we're Everything's an upheaval because we're all watching our screens, and we don't get the other person's viewpoint because they weren't fed the information we're looking at. And this whole thing about fake news is very real, and algorithms can't tell the difference between fake news and real news, and they're just feeding it to you. And so fake news is something that is exploding in the amount of people wanting to look at it because real news is more boring than fake news. And so... Ooh, We're in this weird spot where we're starting to see terrible results. I want my life to be rooted in God and his word because he is the source of a better happy. And a better happy is essential. And I'm asking Jesus, who is my savior, to help me in all of this because self-help is not enough. I'm going to call an audible. We have not had our prayer teams up for anybody since we've come back into place because we're trying to play it safe. I'm going to put on my my mask, and I would love it if you did too, but even if you don't have a mask and you need prayer, I'm going to be to the right of the stage if you'd like me to pray for you. And uh, leaders, if you don't mind either, uh, if you have a mask and want to help uh, and just pray for anybody that realizes They've got some, you're addicted to news. You're addicted to fear in the news. You're addicted to anxiety now. You're addicted to your screen time. You have to check your feeds. you got to keep looking. If you're stuck there, you need prayer, and you need to consider what's next for you. And what are maybe something else, like for me, you know? Something's not a good servant. It's become your master and need to be set free. Jesus says, The truth will set you free. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this start on your wisdom to help shape our lives in the coming weeks and months and year and beyond into eternity that we might experience a glowing, eternal, better stream of happiness flowing right into our root system, into our being that we would bear fruit And enjoy what you're doing through us, in us. And for others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week. Psalm 2.